Hey, love. Welcome to Her Promise Circle podcast, a safe space to come as you are to receive the word you need to help you continue on your journey to healing, growth, and walking confidently into God's purpose for your life. It's full of all the things that you'll need to live boldly as the woman God created you to be. I'm your host and founder of Her Promise Circle, Mikkel. Get connected, let us support you where you are right now and where you're going. All right, ladies, I hope you have had a productive week. I hope that you've enjoyed the previous episodes because we're going to continue on by talking today about expanding our capacity. And we're going to use David as our example today. He's one of my favorite characters, but God and David have a great example of how we should model our relationship with God. And so I just wanted to share a part of the story of David that I heard in my prayer app a few days ago. I listened to it in the morning. Here's a wellness tip. I use the focus downtime feature on my phone and I set it from 7 a.m. to about 10.30 a.m. That gives me enough time to get the dogs out, pray, read my word, eat, and go to the gym. And it's nice because you can spend your morning with God. And so as soon as I wake up, though, I'm exhausted, okay? Your girl does not feel like praying. Your girl does not feel like doing anything, okay? So to start to get me in the mindset, I play the prayer app and let them tell me Bible stories. And so this was the story that was on that morning. So it was in 2 Samuel 12, 7 and 8. And it says, Then Nathan said to David, You are the man, thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel. I anointed you as king over Israel, and I spared you from the hand of Saul. I also gave you your master's house, and put your master's wives into your care and under your protection. And I gave you the house, a royal dynasty, of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have given you much more. So this is right after David had sinned, you know, took Uriah's wife, had sex with her, got her pregnant, and he killed Uriah. Sent him out to the front of the battlefield and got him killed so he could try to cover up his sin. And so it stood out to me because I started thinking about David's story, like, from the beginning. And I'm just like, dang, like, how we get here, David? (laughs) So we know that when David first got anointed, he started out as a shepherd boy. Right, his story starts where he's a shepherd boy. And Samuel is looking for the kid that God is looking for. And so he goes amongst the rest of his brothers, and Samuel's looking at the other brothers, and he's like, This ain't him, this ain't him, this ain't him. But the dad is like, Yo, this one's big and strong. These are my sons. Like, look at these boys. He didn't even mention David, right? David started out not looking like who God called him to be. When he was being chosen, he, they were looking at his brothers. His dad even forgot to suggest him when he was out in the field and his last son. He was a shepherd boy, but he turned into a warrior and a king. We were reminded in this story that God looks at the heart. He also references to David as a man after his own heart, right? So when we see David in 2 Samuel, he has just gotten Uriah killed, right, to cover up his sins. He hasn't repented yet. He just tries to cover it up. And it seems like he's forgotten about it because it's not even mentioned until Nathan comes and confronts him. God reminded David what he gave him, that he anointed him king. He put him in a position of leadership, of reverence, 
of a high place. He spared him from Saul, from the evil that tried to kill him or overtake him. How many times have we been in situations that God has brought us through that tried to kill us? Trauma, emotional damage, people trying to take us down in some way, heartbreak. He was running from it, but God fought those battles for him and he led him through it and made him stronger for it, blessed him through it, healed him through it. He said he gave him his master's house. That is your provision, setting his table before his enemies and in a great and mighty way. It's wealth stored up from the evil given to the righteous. And it says he put his master's wives under his care and protection. So this stood out to me as a question to ask myself, Mickey, what has God trusted you with? It says, and put your master's wives under your care and protection. What has God trusted you with and how are you taking care of it? How are you stewarding? Are you reckless? Are you not even spending time with it? Are you grateful? Are you covering it in prayer? This could be a relationship. This could be your family. This could be your business. This could be your house, your children, a job, a career, an opportunity. Are you taking accountability for what God has placed under your care and protection? Since I gave you the house of Israel and Judah, that is territory, child, for the kingdom. That is legacy. That is royalty, as it says. Then God says, and if that had been too little, I would have given you much more. So I just have some points I want to share with you with what we just learned. This is what I want to leave you with. One, stop putting yourself in a box. David was overlooked. He was overlooked by people who looked more qualified to be a warrior and a king. And they were his own brothers. He was forgotten about, not even mentioned, but God chose him and picked him out. God did not forget about him. He looked nothing like where God was going to take him. If you limit yourself by defining yourself as what your family has made you think you are, by what your friends or people who bullied you or your job has made you think you are, you will count yourself out. You won't believe that God has better for you. You won't deem yourself worthy because you think you don't have the qualification. But we know in the word it says God qualifies the called. So that's not even an issue you need to be concerned about. People make you think that you can't want more or have better. They think that you're ungrateful if you want more. You can be grateful for what you have and desire more for yourself. Stop defining yourself from what you lack or what you think you are not. God has things prepared for you that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, that you haven't even imagined. But you must receive them in faith. You must know that you aren't worthy of them, but God has given them to you. Humility and faith is how you receive what he has for you. You must have thoughts like the mind of Christ. That means believing who he says you are talking like he talks, valuing what he values, forsaking your thoughts and ways and adopting his. Remember how God called Gideon a mighty man of valor and literally at the time he was acting out in his fear. It's the same thing. You are what he says, despite what it looks like you are, what you think you are. So walk in it and be confident in it, sis. Second, you were chosen and set apart. Now, I'm just telling you this because you need to start acting like it, okay? You're not like everybody else. You don't need to conform. You don't need to look like them. We are not of this world, right? We are part of the kingdom. We are kingdom citizens. We are different. We are meant to stand out. We are loved. And so is everyone else, but they haven't realized it yet. 
You were made uniquely for a specific purpose for good works. God uniquely designed you. Every personality trait that you think is good and every personality trait that you think is bad and every bad story you have in your life and every good story in your life, all of it worked together to make you who you're supposed to be to pursue and accomplish your purpose within this earth. No matter if people count you out or rule you out, God chose you. So know that and live like you know that. Number three, go after God, sis. God should be your main focus. Seek ye first the kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. You're not supposed to be working or doing things just to provide for yourself and just to be selfish and have all this abundance and not give to other people. God values his people. Your story will heal and speak to and release faith in other people. But if you are ashamed of it and you let the enemy allow you to fear what God has for you, you won't act in the purpose God has planned for you. So we must chase God. Who we are is hidden in Christ, it says in the word. You must chase him. You must pursue him. This must be your most important relationship. Not a husband, not children, not a new job not materialistic things, new handbags and cars, but your relationship with God is worth more than jewels and gold and riches of this earth. Who you are is hidden in him. David exemplifies the verse of seek ye first the kingdom and all these things will be added unto you perfectly because he was a shepherd. He was worshiping in the field. He was also a grown man worshiping and singing to God. He didn't care what people thought of him, not even his own wife. Mikkel was like, why are you out here being crazy? Yes, this woman has my name, child. But she's like, why are you out here dancing crazy? Aren't you worried about what people are going to think? And he's like, no, I'm worshiping my God. David was after God's heart. He didn't care what people thought. He cared what God thought about him. He inquired to God about his moves. He revered him. He feared him. He knew he needed his wisdom to lead. He was humble. Oh, I'm a great and mighty warrior. I beat everybody because of God. He stayed humble and reverent to God. Beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, it says in the word. And David did this. David was not perfect, but he feared God. He was in awe of his mightiness and faithfulness. He knew his need of him. He repented and he sought what God valued, which is righteousness. That doesn't mean you have to be perfect. That means you seek to be more like God every day. So you messed up. Take it to God, repent, and tell him to change your heart, change your mind. You want to treat people better, right? You want to have more fulfilled relationships. And this is all God is telling us to do. But we act like he has this rule book beating us over the head, ready to fight us over every little thing. No, you're seeking it every day. If we've completed it, we wouldn't be seeking it. You are trying to atone for your sins when Jesus has already done that. You're seeking the kingdom of God because we will never be perfect. But you're letting every flaw hold you back and tell you you're not good enough. When God has grace and mercy for you every day, new mercy and grace for you every day, goodness and mercy follows you every day of your life. Your new life is hidden in God. Who you are is hidden in God. How valuable you are is hidden in God. And if you know, I have been pounding in Bible study Colossians 3 because it goes perfectly with this, and I'm going to read it to you. Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ to a new life, sharing in his resurrection from the dead, keep seeking the things that are above, where Christ is. Your mind is focused on what you lack and what you don't have and all that's bad and all that is without. And God is not lived there. God lives in abundance. 
You're looking at what's around you in your physical senses instead of what's in your spiritual senses. Keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind and keep focused habitually, daily, practicing on the things above. Try not to look at what you don't have and who has what and who's valuable because they have that. No, you're valuable because God says you are without all those things, without anything you think you need. You shouldn't be focused on the things that are on the earth, which have only a temporary value. For you died to this world and your new real life is hidden with Christ in God. And so this is why we must seek after him to find out what he wants us to do. We are to focus on what is above, not what's going on around us. Often we focus on what our physical senses perceive. We perceive what we don't have and who we are not. But our spiritual senses receive God's promises and faith. No matter what it looks like, we trust God's faithfulness and his provision and love for us. He's the master of our needs. We seek God in everything that we do. We fear him. We're in awe of him. We reverence him. And we live in gratitude for everything he does for us every single day. All right, next point. Keep good people around you. You need checked, boo. Keep people around you that will hold you accountable, tell you the truth. Most importantly, who know the Lord and lead you closer to him and your relationship with him which we know that who we are is hidden in Christ, so why would you be with a man or at a job that leads you away from him? Hmm? Every relationship should be like this, not distracting or going along with your shortcomings, but holding you accountable, knowing that your value is in who God sees you as and how God values you, someone who understands God's love so they can love you with God's heart. And the last point, God has more for you. If you've gone through the sanctification process, if you've been humbled, child, if you've been in the wilderness, you will enter your promised land, which is having God trust you with what he has for you. Abiding in him always, seeking his presence always. Because once you love and are with God, with your whole heart, and are seeking after him every day and loving him like he loves you, he can trust you. He can trust you with these things because he knows you're not going to be selfish when you get a lot of money. He knows you're going to help other people and use it to expand the kingdom and take over territory. You will live in an ask and you shall receive season. This reminds me of the prayer of Jabez. So 1 Chronicles 4 and 10 says, Jabez cried out to God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would indeed bless me and enlarge my border, my property, and that your hand will be with me. And you would keep me from evil so that it does not hurt me. And God granted his request. It's time to match our faith with what God has for us. To increase our capacity by strengthening our faith. We receive these things in faith. We need to pray like Jabez. Lord, expand my territory. Expand my capacity. But you also need to be ready for expansion. So you need to be more diligent. More disciplined. More selective with your relationships. Careful of not being distracted. Careful of how you speak about yourself and others. And abiding in God's presence. Ask God to increase your faith to expand your territory. This means you must increase in your relationship with him. All of you and none of me, Lord, right? Have your way. I'm surrendered to your will. Not only do I know it will be good for me, but it will be good for others. So what did God tell David? If you would have desired more, I would have given you much more. 
even if all that I already gave you wasn't enough, I will still give you more because he's a God of abundance. So let's go. Okay, it's time to stop living in lack and fear, engaging our lives from the physical senses. We are a new creation in Christ. We don't think like that anymore. We are free to ask and walk in authority and dominion to change situations in people's lives in God's name. We don't talk like we're putting ourselves down. And in turn, we won't talk like we're putting others down. We will love with God's heart because we've accepted God's love and grace for ourselves. We can give it to other people. We can humble ourselves and we can want to help the world. You can impact the world if you would only receive, if you would only believe that God has more for you, that you are more than you are right now. You got this, sis. This is your season. But only if you take it. Take it in faith. I'll see y'all next week.